Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today, we hear from the creators of the new ITV comedy panel show, Sorry I Didn't Know, a bold and unapologetic format about black history that showcases comedians from diverse backgrounds who tend to be rarely seen on such programs. I spoke to Sorry I Didn't Know's host, actor Jimmy Akinbola, and the creators of the show, Minnie and Fraser Ayres, about why it took four years for it to go from pilot to series, and the rising audience demand for celebratory black content, not just during Black History Month. We also discussed Dandy, their support service specifically created for production companies to diversify their workforces, something that's increasingly becoming a deal-breaker for commissioners when they come to greenlight shows. ITV says its comedy panel show, Sorry I Didn't Know, which began airing in the UK in October, looks to address the gaping lack of knowledge we all have when it comes to black history, whilst promising something for everyone, no matter what their colour or demographic. In part one of our chat, I spoke with host Jimmy Akinbola, star of the ITV sitcom Kate and Koji, and co-founder at Triforce, and the format's creators, Minnie and Fraser Ayres, Triforce's Director of Operations and CEO, respectively about the social media reaction to the show and the long process of getting it off the ground. Hi, my name is Jimmy Akambola, uh, co-founder of Triforce Creative Network. Hi, I'm Fraser Ayres. I'm the CEO of the Triforce Creative Network and Triforce Productions. And I'm Minnie Ayres, and I'm a director of Triforce Productions and Triforce Creative Network. So tell me a bit about Sorry I Didn't Know, the origins of that show and how it came to finally be on air. Yeah, it's it's been quite a long journey with that one. So we did the pilot for that back in 2016 with ITV originally, which was really, really great. After that, you know, we, we've tried to get it out there as a, as a series, but the receptivity hadn't been there for it. You know, a lot of feedback from the broadcasters was, you know, it's not for our audience. But I think if this current time we're in, if it's shown as anything, it's that actually audiences aren't quite what we thought they were. And certainly they're more vocal now. And where organisations such as ourselves have banged a drum about inclusion and access over the years, now I think what's happened is that through these protests, through this conversation that's now over a long period of time, What's happened is, is I think more of our broadcasters and our content creators are realizing that th those voices aren't niche anymore. It's not just black people saying about black issues and it's not just the LGBTQ community talking about those issues. Actually, there are allies, there are numbers in people kind of all talking about equality fundamentally. And I think that's been quite a great sea change, really. We've been pushing to get this made into a series for... Yeah, for four years. And, you know, there has been um, some ups and downs along the way. But we feel really pleased that ITV not only committed to a, a four part series, but also moved it from ITV2 to ITV to the main channel, which we felt it was actually a better fit for. And understanding that there is an audience for that kind of content, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about later on about what kind of content it is, because there is that larger co uh, conversation about what is black content. You know, we, we don't call Only Fools and Horses a, a white sitcom, but nonetheless, Desmond's is very much a black sitcom. 
And actually, as we kind of have a more open conversation caused by what's happening in the world, I think we're all understanding a little bit more that content is content. And actually, we want to see other people's worlds. And it's not just about a particular color kind of world or a particular demographic kind of world. Actually, we all want lots and lots of varied, varied content. And to get those bigger audiences, we need to. We just need to. It really is important uh, in terms of when you look at a show like Sorry I Didn't Know, uh, I remember when uh, Fraser and Minnie, so uh, they created the idea and they, they discussed it with me and I, and I was like, I'm sure there's something like this already on, isn't there? <laughs> they were both laughing at me going, Jimmy, no, there's nothing. <laughs> and so the space that we are filling, that the show is feeling so important and in terms of uh, Trifles Creative Network, we've been doing this work for over 16 years now. So it's always been a part of our DNA in terms of diversity and inclusion before they became the buzzwords. You know, if you came to any of our events, you will see how diverse it, 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 it always was. And so with this show, it was so great that, you know, throughout the show, we flipped everything, all those usual tropes in terms of, you know, since the 70s, these game shows, these panel shows have been all men and uh, I suppose all white men as well. And so you get the token woman, get the token black guy, Asian guy. And we just... Flip. Not at the same time though, Jimmy. Never at the same time. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Always just one. <laughs> of course. And so to when you look at our show and straight immediately, you've got two amazing, exceptionally talented, beautiful uh, team captains that happen to be women black women as well and then you, you've got me in the chair and then you look at all our guests how diverse they are you know and and this show is not only getting out important historical facts that are not taught in our schools or they're not uh within the content of our tv shows or within the media they're being sidelined and marginalized but we're also given a platform for an array of talented seriously talented diverse inclusive creative funny comedians, actors, celebrities to, to be on our show. And I just think, you know, we're so proud of this. And, and I think the response it's had shows you how, how hungry people are for this kind of content. And how much did the show that's on air on ITV at the moment, how different is it to the pilot that was made four years ago in terms of the structure, the content? Has it changed that much? It has changed. Yeah, it has. It's evolved to become more of an ITV1 budgeted show. And it, it was quite interesting. When we got this commission, uh, Joe Mace, um, he said, we're very keen f to give you the support to make the show that you want to make. Now, you know, often commissioners say that and broadcasters say that. And, you know, you get like 500 pages of notes or actually that's too... And to be honest, they've absolutely trusted us to understand what that tone is, when, where that line is to be able to play in that kind of conversation. And it's certainly in the experience with it, and again, this is a larger conversation about how broadcasters are supporting these, you know, indies, these fledgling indies such as ourselves. It's, they've actually let us make our show and given us the budget to make the show that we wanted to. So the set's been designed in the way that we wanted to and the support that we've had from them has enabled us to put the history in that we want to, the jokes that we want to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually been quite testament to ITV for trusting us to know our demographics, to know our communities that we've been serving for so long, 
to actually deliver that. And so actually, I think the show is actually the best version of itself that it can be. We've been able to do something very, very unique and very us with that support. And I think that's what the show really is now. I think visually it looks quite different as well. I mean, not just because of COVID and as having to bear that in mind with the set design, but also it looks far more international now in mm. terms of the set. It's not such a traditional comedy panel show set. It looks more uh, more international mm-hmm. um, and that's been reflected in, you know, we've had some interest in, in it on an international basis already. Mm. Uh, so I think breaking it out of that mould of the traditional comedy panel show visually has really helped to broaden its appeal. Yeah. And I think ITV, the great support that they've showed us in like Fraser Media saying is that we're able to do the show that we want to do. And, and that made us feel like, you know, over the years there's been this feeling like everybody other diverse, it's a risk. And Mm -hmm. us being able to tell our story, if this entertainment show is our story, Trifles Productions story, and to do it on our own, we didn't get partnered with anybody. We were allowed to, to show them what we can do. The responses we've been getting from sort of <laughs> your elders to your youngers to the, to, the, to the mid-tier, everybody's so excited about it, saying it's well overdue, so needed. And even a lot of teachers have been reaching out to me saying that within the curriculum, they're limited to how much they can do. I was speaking to my 10-year-old nephew the other day. I was like, how much do you do about black history? He was like, we get maybe a week in a year. I'm just like, what? And so it's the way that Fraser Mini created this show, the way that we're not hitting people over the head with it, we're able to entertain, educate, and enlighten people in such a fun way. It just shows you how important this show is. And tell me a bit about the social media reaction to a show, because whenever a new show, and especially a comedy show, launches, the reaction can be quite visceral and brutal. So what's the reaction been like? You know, don't get me wrong, you know, we had lots and lots of people from the black community loving it, seeing themselves represented, talking about, you know, if they'd only seen the show when they were a kid, you know, that kind of thing. Lots of that. That's kind of the expected. But actually what's happened was, you know, as I'm calling them allies, literally thousands of white people who were just like, I want to know about this history. This was funny. I'm laughing at the jokes Um, because of the content is inclusive. And I think that's another point that, you know, that Jimmy was on about a lot of content. As soon as you put the word black in front of it has to be trauma led or it's based on our oppression. And, you know, we have these incredible documentaries, but they are very heavy when actually black culture is celebratory, it's beautiful, it's bright, it's kings, it's queens, it's legacy, it's heritage. And actually making a show that is actually by the community, for the community and wider, actually completely changes that tone in terms of what a commercial show can actually be. I I think really importantly, so that Yes, of course, we knew this would be enjoyed by the black community because they get to see people looking like them on screen and they don't get to see that very often, particularly not in these kind of shows. But we wanted it to appeal to a a mainstream audience as well, a broader audience. So it was important to show that it's okay not to know. That's why the Mm -hmm. show is called Sorry I Didn't Know. And that you see, you know, our guests and Chizzy and Judy not knowing the answers as well. It's not kind of pointing the finger and go, I can't believe you didn't know about this. 
it's actually sharing the fact that there is a lack of knowledge there and we should all know more. And therefore, when you have white people watching it, they don't feel bad about not knowing. Mm-hmm. They feel glad that they're getting to learn yeah. and, you know, have lots of laughs along the way. And have a conversation about it, you yeah. know, being able to be in that space of going, do you know what we don't know? And there's reasons why we don't know, but why we're kind of caught in that banging of a drum phase we can't actually have that conversation on either side. And so content that's made by broadcasters and content creators also then tends to not serve either community. You know, the black community isn't served with their black content because it's not authentic. And also white communities don't want to look at it because they feel like they're being beaten around the head around it. And so that's also why we wanted to make a classic comedy panel show. You know, there's nothing more kind of you know, that embodies kind of British telly that is seen by millions that, you know, to be honest, you know, as guests and as the kind of content of this shows, black people, Asian people, Indian people, East Asian, everything aren't represented in those shows. So actually, I think this has proved and certainly by the social media that we're actually more open to seeing and hearing everything now. And yeah, now's yeah. the time to actually get in that content out there. Yeah, I got I had a lot of uh, messages from you know white family and friends that 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 knew a lot of the answers as well, and 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 a lot of black people saying that they learned things, and it, that, it's all in the title. Sorry, I didn't know. Just because I look like this doesn't mean I know everything. <laughs> but um, you know what I also like is that we're creating a show that it still seems alien for some people to see a show like this, you know, on TV, and it shouldn't be in 2020, it shouldn't be. And we've always said, when we, Minnie and Fraser, when we've spoken, like to create that atmosphere, like whether you're watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or if it was, I don't know, showing my age a bit now, catchphrase, that thing where <laughs> you know, the families can be at home watching the TV, chipping in with the answers and arguing between, no, it's this, it's this, it's that, it's that. And, I, and, and for me, that's what makes this show universal. You know, it, it, it don't get sort of caught up in that it's just a, just for black people. It's just this. I, I, we, we don't want that. We didn't take it for a guarantee. Yes, we created something that we would hope our community to watch, but there's still a level of pressure. We still have to deliver. You know, the, 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 the bar is so high now. We've been so used to some shows being given the green light and they've got no budget or they, they haven't had enough uh, support. Or, or it's a bit lacking and, and, and then some of them not worked. And then there's that feeling of like, oh, we gave them a chance. It didn't work. Let's get it off air. And so we did feel a bit of like there was pressure and responsibility to present ourselves in a, in a really high manner. Do you know what I mean? In terms of excellence. And, um, and that was one of the key things that I was very happy about that, that people really saw that, you know, um, and that was in everything, in the in the games created, in the content shared, even in the banter and the jokes, but also visually. When you look at that set, it, compared to the pilot, it's night and day, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's we we were trending. We were we were overwhelmed by the love and support, and and uh, may long it continued because we want this yeah. to go beyond Black History Month. This show should be on all year round, you know. No, give us a times 10 or 20 <laughs> and then we do a Black History Month special and a Christmas uh, special. <laughs> I think there was there was concern. I mean, only a few weeks earlier, uh, you know, Diversity's dance routine on Britain's Got Talent had got like 25,000 com- complaints to Ofcom. 
Um, you know, and then they had loads of complaints over Alicia Dixon wearing a Black Lives Matter necklace. So we were a bit worried. And to the extent that we felt we had a duty of care to our talent to email them and say, you know, you need to be prepared that there might be some social media backlash about this. And just to know that we're here if you need us, um, which was a bit disappointing to feel like we had to do that. But we felt it was the right thing to do. Um, I was really relieved when there was only a few of that kind of um, feedback on Twitter in terms of, you know, that that kind of, oh, well, I've had it up to here with, with Black History. I'm not going to be watching this. Like, well, then don't watch it. It's fine. <laughs> but those things, but, you know, those things, you know, I, I'm, I'm in, it's, a, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And that this conversation that is happening can only be had if that content is out there to be seen. Mm-hmm. And if they hadn't done that dance, then we wouldn't have seen the racist kick off about it. They would have just still just been the racists in the shadows. And again, we have to start making this content so that we can have those conversations. And again, what happened online that night was people were having conversations, you know, throughout the night about it. But it really was like two people out of thousands who wanted to say anything. And those two people, which was the very interesting thing to me as as a creator, going back to allies, the people that were shutting down these racists weren't black people. They were white people who were shutting down these racists. They didn't want to be like, no, this is the time for us to speak and do that. And that was beautiful to see how the conversation has evolved. The the lines aren't into those clear demographics anymore. We all just kind of want things to be a little bit more equal. Welcome back. In part two of my chat with the creative team behind ITV comedy panel show Sorry I Didn't Know, we discussed the international potential of the format and the need for broadcasters to provide meaningful long-term support to diverse producers, especially on their first commissions. Here's Fraser Ayres, co-founder and CEO at Triforce Creative Network and executive producer at Triforce Productions. There are, there are seasons for things or people try and do a scheme. We've seen it. We've seen it all. But what ends up happening is, is that inevitably you're setting someone up to fail because you're not giving them the support. And again, I'm going to go back to ITV because it really is a wider conversation about engaging with indies and the support that they gave us. Don't get me wrong. They didn't handhold us and they weren't kind of in our inbox every day with what's going on, what's going on. They really weren't. But they gave us access to legal. They changed, and I can't go into too much detail because everyone will will, will need that, but let's just say ITV fundamentally changed how they operate so that they could actually support our fledgling company. So they didn't just give us like this huge commission on a huge channel and go, get on with it, and then it all falls apart, and they go, well, we tried. What they did was they went, no, we're going to give you the same resources we would give Hattrick or Tiger and make sure that you're on a level playing field so that you can make that show. Again, that's very different in our industry in terms of how a broadcaster and commissioners are actually engaging with some of the more diverse production companies that they're engaging with. And it did, it had a huge impact. We were able to make a big show on a big scale, even though you know it was one of our very first commissions. And that's, again, how things have changed quite a bit at the moment. And, and again, I think ITV 
us going back in and having that conversation, we went in their eyes from looking like a risk to being like, this is amazing. This is adding value. You know, we, we, we're doing a lot of work for them in some sense, but also you have to, I have to take my hat off to them in terms of what ITV have done within a couple of months during the pandemic, the loosening of things. There's a lot of stuff, the shorts that they did with Green Acre, you know, um, working with us. They've probably done the most out of, out of the majority of the broadcasters and uh, immediately. And, and so we're very, I'm very hopeful for this change, not just IT, but across our industry. Me, Minnie and Fraser, we've been in this business for over 15 plus years as well. So we know how it works. And it's been frustrating at times because you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> like the system's broke and we've been banging on doors for years, but we've kept going and we're going to keep on going. And this is one of many things I hope that we get to do. And um, because we are, we're like insiders, outsiders. And it's like, if you let us in, then we can tell you what is wrong with some of the stuff that you've been doing and and hopefully we can help fix some stuff and it don't just mean we've got to do everything because we know tons of other production companies out there that have been banging on the door as well that have got some great content and ideas that will push the dial this can't be a do you remember that year 2020 when they did a couple of things it can't if things are going to change it has to start from now and it actually starts from education and that's why this show is so important sorry i didn't know you know, because education, it will help the students understand why they're all in the room together. Why you've got, you know, an Indian, Nigerian, you know, Southeast Asian, like everybody's together. We won't know that unless you know the true sense of history. And I think that's been the problem. And, and also, if you look at there's certain areas where it seems very okay to see us. You know, I'm very proud to be a part of In the Long Run or, or even Kate and Koji. And, you know, you talk about shows like Desmond's, Rue McCoy has been brought back. But there's a tendency, like, just in that area, that's fine. But the fact that Fraser Mini, you know, had to, you know, really convince me that there wasn't a show like this around, around the world is, 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 is mind-blowing, you know. But it shows you that we are invisible in a lot of areas, you know. Uh, even during the lockdown, if I look at documentaries, there's hardly any documentary, especially about British history as well, British black history as well. And, and it's like we're invisible. And like Fraser said, if, if it is, then it's all sort of, I don't know, milking the trauma. Now, where's the educating and celebrating, you know? Like, like within our games, we celebrate inventors, you know, some great politicians to, to get where they are now you know, during a time where, you know, things like racism was rife, you know? And, and I think it's just really important to look across the board and go, where, what other areas are lacking? Minnie, you mentioned uh, international interest in the format. So how are you going about that? I can't tell you anything yet because uh, it's, it's still all in discussion. Um, but we have had interest from uh, a couple of big territories uh, that that are really interested in producing a we format. Can say the territories. Say the territories. You know, uh, in terms of the US and the Netherlands, uh, so big format territories. You know, where they, where formats often come out of as well. Uh, so I think there is definitely scope in both those areas and in other areas across the world for a version of this show that celebrates their Black history. Mm-hmm. So I think we're definitely going to potentially see some of that happening in the next year or two. Yeah, which would be incredible. You know, again, the, the issues 
that we're talking about on this kind of podcast and what's happening is global. You know, it's not just in Britain where the broadcasters have gone, okay, or in America, it's it's global. It's in France, it's in Germany. And, you know, certainly from the people that have been getting in touch with us about it, they're, again, they're, their broadcasters are recognising that they need to be doing that as well. Uh, and it kind of is acting as a bit of a blueprint as to what that commercially viable content can actually look like that isn't tokenized. And if there's ever a time for this show across the world, then this time is now. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly here and particularly in America, but yes, in Europe as well. So I think it's what what we need right now in terms of that kind of show that celebrates and educates and entertains. But it's also what it does as a vehicle as well. So, you know, for for us, um, a big part of it was having established high profile talent with all that new fresh talent that we all see on our YouTubes. We we pass it around in our WhatsApps. But why do they never get seen on TV? You know, we have we've got people in this series who have got more viewers from their YouTube than the broadcaster could want in a million years, you know, and it's kind of like, why aren't they being seen? So it's an opportunity to showcase that brand new talent, that fresh talent, that diverse talent, but also highlight those people. You know, we've got Colin Salmon in our first episode, you know, that kind of acting excellence that's there. So the actual format of it allows for those things to be seen and highlighted within it. And I think, again, that's a very useful because it ends up being multi-generational, ends up carrying Mm. across. So for us, you know, we had lots of aunties watching it for the Colin Salmon, but we had lots of, and Angela Lamar, (laughs) but we had lots of brethren watching it for Muz and Humza, you know? And I think that, again, the actual format of it allows inclusion to be celebrated and highlighted in a very, very commercial way. And we, again, uh, Nico, that was already in the DNA of who we are and our ethos, you know? And so that's us thinking about those multi-generational people and knowing who's out there and might have some profile and be getting opportunities with broadcasters, but also knowing there's tons that are not, you know, that sort of one in one out mentality. And then we were in an opportunity here that we could break that, you know, we, we, we could break that. We could just bring so many different people together. And, uh, and then not only that, um, uh, Dandy, which is a, a recruitment service, you know, we was able to use that and actually crew up, you know, like we're looking around how diverse, how amazing our, our crew were. It was such an emotional moment because there's been years after years, you know, some shows that I'm a big fan of. I see, I see their crew shots and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> this, this, is, this is shocking. I still love the show, but the crew, like the, how the lack of diversity and inclusion in the crew is shocking. And so for us to do this show and not to continue the work that we've been doing the last 15 years would have been, it would have been shocking for us, but that was never going to happen. But there was so much pride in that, uh, meaning phrase that we were able to employ some people that we've been working with for years, as well as give people that have been in the business for 20 plus years and they were dying to work with us as well, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's that thing, you know, people have actually stopped putting up their crew photos online because they know how bad and, and the back, the rightful backlash that comes against shows that aren't doing it. And, you know, again, it's, it's there's there's a beauty, but there is a real oddness to going, this photo is amazing, 
This photo should just be normal or Tuesday, but it's not. Mm. It's amazing. And, you know, it's it's with the work that we, as Jimmy was saying, we set up Dandy a couple of years ago to address that off-screen side of things. And going back to kind of the global time, we've managed to place more people into senior roles in the last four months yeah. than we have in the last two years. The, people are more open to that now. Mm-hmm. And we had completely free reign from the commissioners, you know, as to who our series director was. So Jan Genesis, who was the director, he's a multi-camera director. He's done uh, lots of shows before, but he'd never done a whole series, never been series director before. Um, And they were completely, you know, we said, this is who we want to work with. And there was no kind of comeback from the channel about, oh, they they must be more experienced or anything like that. Because we know that if, because the fact is that, the people you see who are underrepresented in their area have had to work like four times as hard as everyone else to get where they are. So whether you're underrepresented because you're a woman or because you're from a black or other ethnic minority or have a disability, whatever that reason is, you've had to work really, really hard to get where you are. So we know if we're choosing someone like Jan, he works really, really hard <laughs> to get that amazing final product. And usually massively overqualified. Yeah, exactly. So we were really happy with that choice. And it all stems from really looking at who your heads of department are. And then that that will affect who they want to hire. And if you can really nail it with your heads of department, then you're going to find that your crew is way more diverse anyway. And that's what we do with Dandy. You know, we're talking... It's a very bespoke service where it's not a list or a scheme because they simply don't work. We've seen them in our industry. It doesn't actually address the issues. We're talking directly with the HODs on a production. We're talking directly to the line producers, working with that, as Jimmy says, that risk. And our industry works on nepotism. And most of us get a job because Dave has recommended Kevin. And that's what happens. So we are the Dave. And what we can do with a line producer is go, no, no, we know this person. They are experienced. They're ready for it. They're right for this job and provide the right person for the right job in those circumstances because of the volume within our network. You know, the Dandy Network currently has 4,800 production and craft. 5,000 now. Is it 5,000? Yeah. Yeah. So 5,000 production, craft and crew. Now, because of that large number, there are the executive producers on there. There are the HODs. And so, again, the hiring doesn't have to be tokenistic. It can be fully inclusive and also not drain the resources of the production company. And so that's what we do as Dandy. The things that we've done with Sorry I Didn't Know, these are the practices that we're helping other production companies with. Welcome back to the final part of my chat with the creative team behind ITV comedy panel show, Sorry I Didn't Know. With increased scrutiny and accountability in the entertainment industry affecting hiring and commissioning practices, we're seeing interest in services that help producers recruit diverse workforces on and off screen skyrocket. Triforce operates one such service called Dandy, and Fraser Ayres, co-founder and CEO of Triforce Creative Network, told me how in the past four months it has placed more people into senior roles than in the last two years combined. We're now working with over 40 production companies. And with that is is 
the organizations. So we're working with the BBC, you know, we're working with ITV, but we're also working with Amazon and HBO. And we've realized that it's actually the largest body in the industry. And what started to happen, certainly in our conversations with commissioners, is, is that as soon as you say, I'm working with Dandy, <laughs> and you put that blue logo on, they know that that whole side of things is taken care of. They know that they can commission you knowing that you're going to be handling your crew. You're going to be looking at that as a part of it because that's what we do. So we've already started to see that, mm -hmm. you know, if we, you know, maybe there will be an, an official announcement, um, but it's already kind of happening with the broadcasters already. Because commissioners now are now asking, what are you doing about diversity and, and being more diverse and inclusive with your crewing up? So when, when productions are being greenlit, so being able to say, well, we're working with Dandy is really helpful for production companies, I think, because it means their, their, their commissioner will go, oh, right, OK, that's, that's good, that's taken care of. But we're also working with large umbrella groups um, who, you know, represent multiple production companies. And because we're working with them, they know that all of their production companies mm -hmm. are, are, can develop the work that they want to develop because the back end is automatically being taken care of. So again, all the production companies can go into those commissioner meetings, have those meetings and have that in their back pocket, understanding that that genuinely is going to be handled. And so it actually allows a greater flexibility. And we've certainly seen that in our partners because there is such an eye on that. What you're doing, is your story authentic? Who do you have creating it? Who do you have crewing it? Is, you know, and even if it's not a story that's based in these worlds, you better still be looking at your crew. You know, we actually had a production company get in touch because their American backers came over and saw the crew and said, if you want a second series, you better sort all of that out. And then they got in touch with us and we're now sorting it out and they've got a second series and everyone's happy and it's great. But it allows actually the, the developers and the producers and the execs to actually get on with the job knowing that yeah. they have that support. And, and I think it's not just about the crewing up as well, because a lot of it has been about the support we provide around um, checking in on whether they're getting things right. You know, everyone has the best of intentions and that's brilliant but it means they can check in with, should we be looking at different writers for this project? Um, who really is going to help us tell this story? Um, and looking at the way they talk about diversity and inclusion in their organisations. So I think that's been a really helpful part of it as well for them. And we've also, um, you know, with um, organisations put in development producers. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, I've been asked a lot at the moment about, you know, is this a different time? And it's certainly not, you know, a, a, an age of enlightenment for inclusion. But what is actually happening is because the conversation isn't going away and the time is longer, what's happening is we're able to place more executive level, more decision makers into roles. And so we've placed development producers, we've placed executives. And, you know, when this conversation inevitably goes a little bit more quiet, those people are still within our industry. They're still making decisions. They're still reading scripts differently. They're still doing that. And for me, that's that's the real change and that's quite exciting. Over the years, there's been announcements that these certain schemes and to increase diversity behind the camera. And then four years later, the stats come out and they're not that much better at all. Some people have been getting away with it, saying they're doing the work, but not doing the work. And, and this is again, a, a great way for, for us to sort of 
I don't know, provide a bit of accountability, but also support if you don't know, you know, and if you're going to the same people, we can pro provide you with a really strong list of like heads, heads of department, but also, you know, those new people come fresh coming up the ladder as well. And, um, and, and I think the, the more people want to engage with us, you know, via the dandy uh, route or with our production company, you know, we can't do it all. You know, we want to work with different broadcasters, production companies. You know, there's there's a lot of work to be done and uh, we will continue to do it on our own anyway. But if we really want to execute a, a bigger sense of change, you know, uh, then that does require for people to stop sort of, you know, not engaging with Trying us. Trying to go it alone. Trying yeah. to go it alone. Yeah. And what ends up happening is we have a lot of people who, very well intentions, but they're not, they don't fully understand the obstacles that are in place because mm -hmm. they're not from those worlds. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, Kev Ligo nailed it a few years ago when he was talking about key partnerships. And I think we're getting back to that time now where people kind of have gone, actually, no, we're still not getting it right, but there's people who have been getting it right. Let's see what they can do, you know? How is the pandemic impacting that mission? Because there's obvious concerns that, uh, it's harder for talent to get in the room, you know, literally nowadays. There's a worry that people would fall back on people they know and things like that. So getting new talent through the door and things like that might be more of a challenge. There are some ways in which things have improved and some ways in which things are more difficult. So with some of our talent development work, um, we've we've had to take a pause for this year. Like we're not we've not been able to do our short film festival this year because of the uncertainty around people being allowed in cinemas but for instance with some of our work we've we've transferred that into a, a an online program so with our writer slam events which are happening at the moment we're doing one with audible one with amazon prime video uh, the amazon prime video is um uh, happening in december and the audible one at the end of october and that'll be that'll be the third of this year so yeah. actually we've done more writer slams this year because of the yeah. pandemic than we've actually done previous. And, so. and we're able to invite industry to just join an online event for an hour and a half rather than having to sort of trek in central London. I think we're going to end up with more people on mm -hmm. that on that event than we would have if it was in person. And um, it's been easier to organise generals for people to kind of meet new talent like directors and writers because they can do it on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, there is an issue with well um things not being filmed for instance <laughs> that that was definitely a problem yeah. uh, and then when everything did start to go ahead it was all happening very very quickly so i was really glad we were already involved with a lot of companies and we could make sure they weren't just reaching for the same people mm -hmm. uh, and we could offer them some alternative options so i think on the whole we've seen quite a positive response to the restrictions imposed by covid and the way people have had to think of new ways of doing things yeah. Yeah, because they've had everyone's had to adapt. Yeah, and the demand as well. There's been a massive demand because that little when things loosened up a bit and then people getting back to being on set, and then like you know there was a demand for crew and the production companies, uh, uh, people for production, and so in some ways I think we got a mad rush, didn't we, guys? You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. And then on the other side, like the, the monologue slam, a lot of uh, our live events we couldn't do. You know, so obviously. <laughs> You can't, you know, we have like 400 people in the audience watching our actors perform in front of producers, agents and managers. And so that's that's impacted us. But um, 
we've still been doing plenty of other stuff, including, <laughs> you know, sorry, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and so again, I'm just, we're just proud to champion it again, like unrepresented voices, you know, uh, important, inclusive content. And, you know, sorry, I didn't know. It's just that bit of history that just keeps being left out, you know, and, uh, and the best thing about it, Nico, is that you can't watch this show and not, be laughing and not know some questions or or learning something. And for me, it's like a good book. So when you get a good book and you're like, oh, you've got to read this book and you try and pass it on, that's what I think uh, we've created with the show. It's that thing of like, if you've not seen it, you've got to watch it. And a lot of people are complaining. They think it was a bit too short, you know? So that's a good thing, you know? It did engender the best hashtag I've seen yet, which was uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, which is my favourite, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> they do indeed. Yeah. <laughs> That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and on social media. Thanks for listening.